Trial and error may not be such a good thing, but when you learn that way, you tend to retain it. <laughs> Caring and compassion are what it's all about. Reach out to others, be accepting, and accept others. I'd rather be with you than against you. Welcome to Episode 13 of Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. Now, this podcast explores everything from a life lived fully and still being fully lived, love, friendship, careers, and so much wisdom told by older adults. The Green Bench is an actual place for sharing those stories, to listen and to be heard. And this podcast is a manifestation of that idea and the mantra of Ron Schlegel himself, that the greatest untapped resource in Canada, if not the world, is the collective wisdom of our elders. My name is Erin Davis, and I share these hosting duties with Lloyd Hetherington, a husband, widower, father, and grandfather, a retired teacher and missionary, and like so many fellow seniors at Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care homes in Ontario, Lloyd has his own stories to tell and questions to ask. Today, Lloyd and I are going to share with you some virtual travels thanks to a resident of the village of Arbor Trails in Guelph. This Canada Day marks, well, Canada's 154th birthday, but our guest's 80th birthday too, and we can think of no one better to talk about her travels across this great land of ours and beyond than Ruth White. Ruth, welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Green Bench today. Well, I appreciate the time you're going to uh, a lot to me, and it, it means a lot, so thank you too. <laughs> I think that what Lloyd and I love most about you, Ruth, is your spirit of trying new things, even this podcast today. In fact, you didn't even know what a podcast was, and so you just kind of dove in, and what a wonderful spirit that is to carry through your life, even as you approach your 80th birthday. It never hurts to uh, learn new things, does it? And it brings a different uh, light on things, and I found that it's, it's, it's really wonderful opportunity sometimes is given to you as well. Sometimes you have to go searching for it too, and that's where your travels have taken you. And before you were diagnosed with Parkinson's, you were always ready for an adventure. So tell us some of your favorite travel memories, because honestly, Ruth, I think we could all use some vicarious travels through your stories today. Well, uh, what was really outstanding in my life that I really enjoyed was when I found the the job in Campbell River, north of Vancouver Island, it was an area of other islands such as Quadra Island and and uh, other islands that had uh, no no person living on them. And uh, so we go out there perhaps on the weekend. That's how I learned to water ski, learned to fish for salmon, learned how to make a, a fire using driftwood, and even collecting drift driftwood for articles of art. And uh, also then they had the opportunity of going nor north to uh, Alaska, Juneau, Alaska, where there was a glacier. I find it's also very interesting. And some of the history of uh, Alaska, especially uh, going to Skagway and following uh, by train, the actual route that the gold miners 
they were looking for gold. A lot of them perished on the way. Very, very rugged, mountainous mm. countryside. And then they end up at Whitehorse. So they, this experience adds something special to your life, I think. You meet new people and uh, you, you learn new things, a lot of new things. <laughs> when you mention Campbell River, you're talking close to my home now because I'm on the Saanich Peninsula near Victoria. Campbell River is so worth the drive up island. Lloyd, have you been to the salmon capital of Canada? I've been to Victoria, but I've not ventured very far outside of Victoria. I, I did go across the island to Port Alberni, but never did get to the salmon capital. So I've missed a lot. There's no doubt about it. Well, that's okay. When we take this podcast on the road, Lloyd, you have a place at our home and we'll make a road trip up to Campbell River just for you because I think Ruth knows some of the highlights. <laughs> well, there's uh, the Elgin Falls and the uh, all the trees have never been uh, harvested. So it's all the original trees are beautiful. You've been there either? Oh, yes. The old growth forests and the cathedral grove and, yes. and all of that. It's just, oh, yeah. it's so spectacular. And we'll talk about the spirituality that comes with travel shortly. But it's an extraordinary experience when you travel because you really do realize how little we know, especially about our fellow Canadians. That is so true. And also, I found it intriguing there because, you know, in British Cover, they have the... Um, they, where the Native Native Americans, they have their area where they live, like Quadra Island, and part of that is a Native Reserve. And they have their totem poles. Mm-hmm. Totem poles are, uh, they all, it all mean something in their life. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't be just Western-centric here. I know that you've seen a lot of the country and even into Bermuda and down into the Caribbean and such. So I'm going to let you and Lloyd take a little virtual road trip now along some of your travels. So, Lloyd, take it away, and you're buying the gas today, okay? Okay, I'm all ready to go. Good. Ruth? You left New Brunswick and you drove literally across the whole width of Canada at a time when the highways were not the greatest. Can you give me some of the highlights of that trip across Canada to British Columbia? Well, I just remember north of Lake Superior, there was a section of road. I don't know how many miles it was, but it was very, very rough. My my car was a Chevy 2, 1964 Chevy 2, but we made it through okay by slowing down. So we, we took it. We made sure we didn't have a flat tire along the way, hopefully. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> Highway 17 can be a very lonely stretch of the road. You surely can. My nephew is an OPP constable up on that stretch of highway, and he said he'd often call a motorist over just to have someone to talk to. <laughs> so it is a lonely stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth. How did you feel when you came down off the shield onto the prairies? Did you notice notice quite a sensation? It was. It really was. But the feeling was when we hit the prairie that it was just like a big, vast, this expansive of sky and, and land. But one good thing was September. So we had all the, the fields were, were ripe, ripe wheat. It was like a golden, beautiful color on the earth. Just a different sensation looking at the landscape and just seeing the vast openness. It surely was, yeah. They said that 
You could see your dog run away for three days when you're on the prairies. <laughs> and and Canada geese going south. Uh-huh. You can see their beautiful formation. Uh-huh. And when I was in Saskatchewan, we, I went north to Fort Capel, Fort Capel Valley. Have you ever been there? Yeah. I lived in Winnipeg for a while, so I would sometimes venture further west and uh, look in on some of the smaller communities. Ruth, uh, we've already experienced the vast prairies with all of the culture and so on. I was wondering what your trip through the mountains was like. Through the mountains? Well, the Rockies were absolutely beautiful. We we had our, our supper one evening up by Lake Louise. And we just got in the car and out comes this bear from the woodland. And he was heading towards us, but then he went towards the, the trash can. So we left. <laughs> So anyway, after that, when we went to Golden, do you, do you remember going through Golden, British oh, Columbia? I'm not familiar with that, Ruth. Oh, I have. It's one of the most extraordinary parts of the journey from Alberta to British Columbia. It's just golden, exactly as it says. We see this old hotel. It was like out of the 1930s, I guess. Anyway, we spent one night there, so we continued on from there. But the highways had the snow tunnels, like... They had made tunnels to prevent uh, the snow slides that going onto the highway in the areas. Wow. I have pictures of them. The stories you're telling us, Ruth, today, and thank you for this, as a female, as someone who has sisters, and of course you did a lot of these travels with your sister, that took a lot of nerve. I mean, from picnicking at Lake Louise and having a bear come by and not of the yogi bear. Uh, persuasion either. You took a lot of chances, didn't you? Were you frightened at any time? No, not really, because usually when we camped, we camped close to families in a park, in a campground. In fact, sometimes they would come over to help us put our, our tent up. But other than that, no, we weren't. I wasn't, I wasn't nervous. Hmm. We were two of us together, and I guess maybe we knew enough of how to get out of trouble we got into it. I don't know. Well, that's always good. If you get into trouble, you should know how to get out of it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, well, we had three brothers, you can imagine how, how we had to take care of ourselves at home first when we grew up. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But Ruth, haven't you found that after you've been through the situation and you start thinking about it, you say, wow, I, I should have been scared there. I should have been frightened. Yes, well, we, we were. that was a good warning to us to, to be very careful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And other, other, because we camped at other yeah. places. Yeah. Ruth, we're going to return to your trips and travels before we wrap up today, because I want to give everybody just a flavor of some sunshine and beaches and sailing. But before we do that, you mentioned that you grew up with brothers. You had an extraordinary mother in terms of multiple pregnancies. She had quadruplets, two sets of identical twins. Tell us about that and about growing up in a family not only with multiple births, but of course multiple losses as so many families went through in the middle of the last century. Can you share a bit about that? Yes, um, I remember because I was four years old. Not that I would remember four years old, but I do remember um, the first thing was, uh, it was September the 10th, 1945. And she had the the two girls first because they were twins, identical twins. And then the two boys, they were identical after that. 
and they were all over three pounds. They had to go for two of the incubators, and they had to also get mother's milk. So one of the boys didn't live very long, and the girls, they both passed away. I remember the small caskets they were they were put in, uh, like satiny white. They're like little dolls. My mom has, mom has one picture of the, the, the incubators, so different than today. Oh, yes. So different. And mom said that they had to feed them like with a teaspoon. And they had to be so, they had to wait over four oh. pounds, I think, before they would let them home. So it was about a month or so before they could even come home. And then, then it was, it was very, uh, I can remember a lot of work had to be done. Ruth, that loss must have impacted not only your parents, but yourself as well. I suspect that it has impacted you down through the years. How do you deal with it? Well, um, I sometimes think of other other people, how they how they, they found us. Uh, one one of the, our, our family's friends were invited out to the farm for dinner, and they said that I was feeding one of the twins, and my other brother, he was feeding the other one. He, he would have been about six years old. It's maybe difficult how to explain it, but I guess being that young, yeah. uh, I then maybe... Uh, affect me as much as maybe if I was older. Mm. Other than that, I guess the loss, well, it would have been nice if they lived, but it wasn't meant to be. Oh. And there would have been a lot of publicity because as it was, when they were born, the hospital was surrounded by, by news journalists with cameras. My mom would only let Free Press Weekly in. Right. There's another one of our friends, uh, she was the mayor's wife, they had a baby. And they said that they didn't get any attention. She said, my mother got all the attention. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, we weren't that far out from the Dion quintuplets, and there's your mother having quadruplets. But unfortunately, of course, yeah. uh, with, with the losses involved there, too. Yeah. You have mentioned in your travels that it sort of sparked in you or it grew in you your faith. Can you talk about that, about how nature and traveling and being one with nature sort of affected you, Ruth? Yes, it did. And uh, as a young as a young girl growing up on the farm, that was my that was my relaxed time to get away from everything in the in the home and, and go out in the, the, the our wood woodland, which is absolutely beautiful. And the the song, hymn we sing it says how great thou art. Those words were just fitting to how I felt in those days, uh, and even now. But uh, the, the folks that I oftentimes stayed with or met were were friends of the same faith. And uh, the, name, the the word church means a body of people. So we, mm-hmm. we, we live and according to the scripture. And that, that had a big effect on my life as well. So your peace in your soul, that means a lot. You say it so beautifully. That peace with yourself is the top priority. And that happens when you take the time to meditate, to think. And being in touch with nature can do wonders in helping to quiet the soul and show the magnitude and the greatness of the world in which we live. So hang on to those precious moments when you can just be alone with yourself and with your thoughts. Just value them. 
That's right. It, 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 appreciate appreciate the time it's given to you. We, we, I, as far as my age, you don't know what the next day's going to be, ours or not. But but that had a big bearing on my life, yes. And I, I appreciate all those that have, have given me the time, too, and to, to take care of my, my needs when, when I was in, in, in need. And what you're saying, Ruth, is you know it in your soul, and it's been studied in the Journal of the Study of Religion, Nature, and Culture, that looks at the link between children's outdoor experiences and spirituality, a stronger spiritual connection. You're humbled by the power of storms and also the changing, the ever-changing nature of nature fosters problem-solving opportunities, and it actually helps kids to build self-confidence. So maybe all that outdoor play when you were a child and escaping from the crying babies and your duties that were sort of thrust upon you so young really gave you that self-confidence for you and your sister to go out and hit the open road. Maybe that's kind of a key to it there, too. Could very well be, now that you mention it, could very well be... While we're talking about travels, we cannot miss the opportunity to pack our virtual bags and go with you to Bermuda and the places that you went. Tell us about your travels there and how you came to go there and what you did while you were there. I just returned to New Brunswick from Vancouver Island in 1969, and uh, I was able to get a temporary job at the a hospital. While there, I heard, I heard about a job in Bermuda, because the the son of the engineer at the hospital, he had gone for the interview, but he didn't pass the, the interview. So he, he knew I was looking for work, so he gave me the, the information where to go for the interview. Hmm. So I went from Moncton to St. John, that's New Brunswick, and passed the interview. It was with Pricewaterhouse, the accounting firm. So I worked with them Two years. Then I got a job at Gulf Oil. Was that also in Bermuda that you were with Gulf Oil? Yes. So how many years in all were you there? In all, I was at Little Bermuda 40 years. I had Coopers and Gulf Oil, who merged with Chevron. Mm -hmm. And then then I got another job with an office supplies company. And then after that, I got a job with... um, a plant nursery, Abercrombie Plant Nurseries. And I was there for about 15 years. I was an office manager. And that was another interesting story. You have so many interesting stories. Goodness. What I find fascinating is your shift from accounting and figures and pounds and pence to actually cruising in the uh, beautiful water around Bermuda. How did, how did that come about? Okay, well, well my... Landlady uh, who I first lived with, I called her Aunt Dee. Mm-hmm. Aunt Dee had a son, Captain White, and he he uh, was at that point in time uh, skippering at, at a beautiful uh, classic uh, wooden yacht called the Rob Roy. So he he had he had brought it from Connecticut to Bermuda, and it was waiting for good weather to take take it further down to the Virgin Islands. And then, of course, Mr. the Volvo dealership owner, he would uh, then sometime during the winter reserve a few, few weeks for himself in the meantime. So when the Rob Roy was in Bermuda, that, that's, I, I arrived in Bermuda in September. This was in November. 
he invited his two sisters and his mom, my auntie, and me down to have dinner aboard the yacht. Mm. That was my introduction to sailing. Wow. But, but, but then, of course, being in Bermuda, there was no place to go other than go and see because of the small landmass there. And, uh, of course, the, the, the reefs. Eight miles to the north of Bermuda's all coral reef, mm -hmm. so you go start go swimming or snorkeling in certain areas. I learned to uh, snorkel in in Bermuda. We used to go sailing on the sunfish together in the Great Sound. Have you you ever been to uh, any areas that like Bermuda? I've been to Hamilton and St. George's, and uh, I I found it fascinating. But I also found Bermuda very confining. It's There's just not much real estate there. <laughs> so when you've gone from one length of the island to the other and from one side to the other, you've seen it all, you've done it all, and I can understand why you went down to the sea in a ship when you've been there 40 years. You probably needed to get out, get out occasionally. Then then, uh, then Captain White, then the next year so, he... He, he bought a boat from the Virgin Islands, St. Thomas, mm. and then he, he sailed back to Bermuda. Then he, he so the next year he sailed the boat south and set up near Charlemagne. So he advertised in Bermuda, met the people, and lots of times they wanted to book, book stay for a week in the, in the Virgin Islands. And there you learned to sail and to work on the chartered yacht, taking care of tourists, doing the cooking and cleaning. And, of course, in the midst of all of this, you met and married a man in Bermuda. Tell us about him, Ruth. That was until 1980. Mm. So uh, he was the same person, but I didn't. we didn't date until 1978, I guess it was. And that's how I got to, to know him better as well, when he, and work on the boat. He taught me how to varnish, how to paint. <laughs> yeah, that every year you had to take them out of, out of the water and, and clean the bottom particles, and then you had to paint the bottom of the boat every year. So sailing's not all glamour then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not glamour. No, all, all of it. No, not, not when you come to, to do everything. Mm. We had former President Ford aboard oh. one, one day. I don't know about you, Lloyd, but I'm feeling pretty jealous right now, thinking Bermuda thoughts. Lovely. Indeed, those coral beaches and that beautiful tropical sea, they have a certain appeal just just about now. Yeah, the pink sands, yes. Oh, lovely. And the warm salt water. Mm -hmm. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Whale watching in April, because the whales migrate north during April. Yes. They come back in the fall, and then there's the... There's a Cajal. There's a Nonsuch Island that has all these uh, birds that are very rare. And the, the Longtail is also a beautiful white bird. Mm. It, comes, it lives at the Sargasso Sea at sea. Can you believe that? These mm. beautiful birds live on, at, on the ocean uh -huh. among the Sargasso Sea. Oh. It's marvelous to have all these beautiful memories, to think back about the seascapes, the things that you did, the ships you sailed on, and all of the lovely, lovely scenery. Your life has been so enriched with your travels, and now in the sanctuary of your lovely residence, I'm sure that you can sit back and just remember those special times 
and say thank you for the blessings that I have received. They are, they've been marvelous to hear. I'm sure you, you feel the same, too, having similar thoughts. The Salvation Army, right, you were? Yes, and the Salvation Army is certainly present in Bermuda. Yes, 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 they are. Yeah. Well, clearly, you've lived a life by your motto, your spirit of trying new things. What advice would you give to younger people who are listening today and just itching to get out on the open road, the open waters, or whatever may lie ahead in the best ways possible? Ruth, what's your advice? That's sort of a hard question to answer right in this day and age because there's so much has changed. Uh, there's so many other entities in the world, mm -hmm. when you think about it. Uh, my advice is, I guess, just uh, listen to your heart and be aware of others. Others really ha help. In my situation, I have caregivers, and a lot, a lot of times they go beyond what their their regular duties would be. So th those, those, those are the moments you appreciate. And I just like to say it's be encouraged to the young people. To, to think beyond the box, and you don't have to be who you are because you're criticized for for being different. I always felt maybe I was on the outs because I wasn't involved in other activities. But for example, my mom and dad wouldn't let me go on any dates until <laughs> I was about, about 20 years old, I guess oh, it was. Oh, my! <laughs> anyway, I thank, thank you for for the interview, and just appreciate even your thoughts and your experiences. I will listen to more podcasts of others, of you, Lloyd, and also others who are interviewing. Thank you, Ruth. Nod adieu, perhaps from us, but bon voyage, as always. And safe travels, smooth waters. Right, Lloyd? Right on. Ruth, how liberating it is to hear you tell your stories of all your ventures. You're one who really believed in carpe diem, seized the day. You saw the opportunities and you took advantage of them. And you just proved an important point that was written not long ago, that we're not meant to stay put. If we were meant to stay in one place, we'd have roots instead of feet. <laughs> and so you, Amen. you certainly have proved that point to be true. But you know, Mark Twain said it best when he said, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely now on the, uh, these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all of one's lifetime. Thank you for confirming that for us. What a wonderful time we've had learning that you can be free by opening your eyes, opening your hearts, and heading for the open road. This is so true. Thank you so much, Stu, for having me. Bye, Ruth. Thank you. Bye-bye. On our next episode, we're going to salute volunteers with the delightful gardening guru, Bruce McNeil, a member of our family here at Elder Wisdom. 
We have some lovely surprises for Bruce and for you, so don't miss it. Subscribe for additional episodes every two weeks. We'll let you know just as soon as they're up. Share your thoughts and opinions on social media using hashtag Elder Wisdom to help others to find us on this green bench. There's always room. Please just take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom podcast. And if it's easier, just go to www.elderwisdom.ca to find the link. Oh, and while you're there, be sure to take the Elder Wisdom Pledge. I'm Erin Davis. On behalf of Lloyd Hetherington, we thank you for sharing in these life stories. And we'll talk to you again soon, because your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.